Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dr. John McDougall will join us to discuss the starch solution. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science Show. We're pleased today to have Dr. John A. McDougall. He's a physician and nutrition expert who has been studying, writing, and speaking out about the effects of nutrition on disease for over 30 years. He has uh, coined, uh, written the new book, The Starch Solution, The McDougall Plan. is joining us today to talk about his starch solution. Uh, Dr. McDougall, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Yeah, who, who in the world would ever call a book The Starch Solution? I mean, that's like committing suicide in the beginning of the title, isn't it? <laughs> Use the word starch. Well, I think it, it, it might certainly scare a lot of people away. I've sort of come to believe that starch is the enemy. They really do. And, and when, I was, when I was putting the book together, it's, it, of course, it's a concept I've been teaching for over 30 years. But when I was putting the book together, the, uh, the editors and many other people said to me, you know, why are you doing this? And the answer is, I want to take a big, sharp stick and poke it in their eye. You know, I want people to pay attention. I want them to understand exactly what the problem is and exactly what the solution is. The problem is that people are not eating enough starch. And I know that sounds a little radical for your listeners right now, but they're not eating enough rice, corn, potatoes, sweet potatoes, beans, peas, and lentils, which have been the traditional source of calories throughout all of recordable human history, and we'll get to more about that. The reason people are sick in our society is instead of eating starch, which is also called complex carbohydrate, which are the foods I just mentioned. The reason people are sick is they're not getting their calories from starch. They're getting their calories from meat, and I mean poultry and fish and beef and pork, and dairy products, and I mean cheese and milk and other dairy products, fish and oil. Those are the primary culprits. That's what are, those are the components of the food that are making people sick. Now, sugar is a little bit of a problem, too, and salt is a little bit of a problem, too. In my opinion, very much overemphasized. But the way you get well, the way you lose weight permanently, the way you get your heart disease to reverse, you get rid of your type 2 diabetes, your rheumatoid arthritis, your constipation, et cetera, is you just simply change the source of your calories from meat, which is fat and cholesterol, and lack of dietary fiber, you change it from meat and dairy to starch, beans, peas, and lentils, corn, those kinds of foods. Now, let me, let me tell you why I believe that and why I think it's going to be easy for your listeners to understand if they'll just take a moment and recall some of the things that they know. If you look around the world, even today, you find various populations of people who live on starch. Let's pick the obvious. Let's pick rice for people living in Asia. If you think of people in Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, rural China, Japan, are you thinking about fat, sickly-looking people? Of course not. You're thinking about really trim, healthy, young-looking people living on what? Rice. And, yes, it is white rice, and we can get to that maybe later in the interview. But just focus on the fact that these people are living on rice. The bulk of their calories comes from rice. We're talking about, uh, we're talking about 2 billion people, and nobody's fat. 
And uh, there was a time when rice was uh, the major part of their diet, when they had no heart disease, breast cancer, colon cancer, diabetes, etc. I mean, these people avoided the Western diseases. You think about other populations of people that uh, your listeners may recall. Think about the Mayans and the Aztecs from Central America, uh, civilizations that lasted 800 to 1,300 years. These people were known as the people of the corn. They lived on corn. That was their diet. Go a little further south, and you're looking at the Inca civilization, and their diet was potatoes. Still today in Peru, most of the food comes from potatoes. The Incas lived on potatoes until they went to battle, and then the warriors switched to quinoa, a grain, thinking that gave them even more strength. Think of uh, the news that we're, we're watching every day today on our televisions, and we're focused on the Middle East, you know, Syria, Egypt, uh, you know, various Iran, Iraq, so on, various countries in the Middle East. That was once known as the breadbasket of the world. These people, even today, live primarily on wheat and barley as their calorie intake. And you don't see fat people there. You don't see sick people there. I mean, these, I'm talking to you historically about some of the greatest warriors that ever walked this planet, lived on starch-based diets. So you see it. You can, if you just think about the geography, you think about the history, you can prove this to yourself. And then we can get into athletes and how all winning long-distance endurance athletes live on starch. Like since 1968, all the winners at the Olympics have been from Ethiopia and Kenya, and their diet is corn and other types of grains and some root vegetables. You know, it's, uh, it's such an obvious thing, but everybody seems to miss it, and they can't get the problem fixed. But once you realize, and that's why I call the book The Starch Solution, once you realize that that's the answer to the problem, then you can start making progress and get your diet changed and get rid of your sicknesses. Where do you think the misconception comes in regarding starch and why it's, it's thought to really be the uh, cause of the epidemic of obesity that people think it is? Well, there was a time, and I, and I can remember it, and I can remember my mother and father's diet, when that's all they had to eat were starches. And poor people today, even in this country, well, not today, but up until recently, they had to live on starches. And the rich people, you know, the wealthy people, not only in our society but other societies today, they've abandoned that traditional diet for the food of kings and queens. Kings and queens, like King Henry VIII or the pharaohs of 3,500 years ago, you know, if you examine the health of these people based upon uh, their remains, what you find is these people have the same diseases as Americans. And you look at their diet, you know, the diet of the pharaohs was a diet of pheasants and pigs, and you look at King Henry VIII and his court, and he ate the same thing as Americans did. Everybody wants to be a king. Everybody wants to be a queen. You know, they, they aspire to that, to bring home the bacon, to be, you know, to be wealthy. We even have we even have our major restaurant institutions named after this, like Dairy Queen and Burger King and Imperial Margarine. It, it happens to be a desire for people, and plus, there's where the profits are. There's, there's you know, very little profit in being a farmer, uh, growing wheat or corn or rice or potatoes. Where the money comes in is in the livestock the chickens and the cows and the pigs and even the fishes and the dairy products that people sell. That's where the big bucks are. So there's been a campaign, it's called marketing, going on for 70 years from the meat and dairy industry to convince you that these are the best foods for you. They use a, uh, a marketing technique called 
uh, unique positioning, unique positioning. What they do is they take one aspect of their particular product and they advertise it to death and they lie about it too. Like for example, if I say the word calcium, what do you think about? Think about milk, yeah, milk, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so ingrained. Calcium is equal to dairy. Well, first you need to understand there's never been a case of dietary calcium deficiency ever reported in the world literature. You, you can grow Asians and Africans and people, and you can grow elephants and horses and hippopotamuses without milk. We ought to be able to grow puny little human beings, and of course you can. This is something that was created by the dairy industry, this fear of calcium deficiency, which doesn't exist. It is uh, the idea that you, you will be healthiest drinking milk, because of the dairy and other aspects of the food. This is all marketing created by the dairy industry. Same thing as if I say protein. I mean, what do you think? You think meat or maybe eggs. Well, there, again, has never been a case of uh, protein deficiency due to a natural diet. I mean, when people starve, yes, but no one develops protein deficiency because they don't eat meat or other high-protein foods. It's never happened, never will happen. The food is so uh, intrinsically uh, plentiful in protein. But these, high, these, industry, these industries, which had a unique aspect to their food, Again, it's called unique positioning and marketing. Is what they did is they took this particular ingredient that was plentiful in their food, and they convinced through billions of dollars of advertising, they convinced our population of people that the only way you're going to be healthy is to eat their high-protein foods. But look around. I mean, just look around at what the consequences have been of all this marketing, all this dairy, all this meat that people eat. We have a population where over two-thirds of the people are overweight. A third are obese. They're predicting by 2030 that 44% of the people in this country will be obese. I'm not talking about overweight. They'll be obese in in, in states like Mississippi. They predict 67% of the people will be obese. Type 2 diabetes is something your neighbor has. They suffer from rheumatoid arthritis, constipation. Your kids suffer from all day long. Everybody's sick. And the reason is, is because industry, because of profits, I mean, they're not mean. They're not trying to hurt you. They're just trying to make money, have convinced us of some things that are scientifically incorrect and harmful. That's why it occurred. But it's it's certainly not all diet. Part of it's also somewhat more sedentary life of... Do you think, do you really think... I don't think so. Let me tell you why. If we go to places like um, Thailand or Cambodia, I mean, these people work hard in the fields. Yes, they do, but not everybody does. I mean, there are ministers, there are radio show hosts, there are shopkeepers, there are teachers, and they don't exercise, and yet nobody is overweight. Let me give you another analogy that may help. Uh, Next to me sitting on the couch here is my cat, Einstein. Now, let's just say we did an experiment with Einstein. Let's just say we decided we were going to start feeding Einstein baked potatoes. So I start tossing baked potatoes down in front of Einstein, and Einstein looks at them and starts batting them around, doesn't have the slightest idea what to do with them. So I have to change my experiment a little bit. So what I'm going to do is take a nasogastric tube, and I'm going to stick it down Einstein's throat, and I'm going to force-feed him mashed potatoes for the next two weeks. Now, you can imagine how sick Einstein's going to get. So let's think of some possible therapies for Einstein to get him well. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take him for a walk around the block. So I leash him up, and I take him for a walk around the block, and I get back, and I look at him, and guess what I see? A sick Einstein. So the next thing I decide to do is I'm going to give him psychological comfort. So I reach down, I scratch his ears, and I pet his fur, and I do this for hours. And what do I see? A sick Einstein. So how do I fix Einstein? 
I'll put him back on his carnivore diet, his meat diet. He gets well. It's the same thing with the population of the Western world. They're sick because of the meat and the dairy and the oil and the junk. You are not going to get them well by exercising them. You're not going to get them well by psychological comfort or any other way that you try and manipulate their mind or mental state. You're going to get them well by fixing the problem. They're sick because they're eating like kings and queens. They look like kings and queens. They die like kings and queens. That's the problem. How much of it is also to increase caloric intake, regardless of source? Well, that's a good question, caloric intake. Uh, what you're saying there, and of course well, that's what the emphasis is, all the way to our Surgeon General, she says that what we need to lose weight is eat less. Eat less. Well, that's impossible to do, first of all, because nobody's going to sit around and be in pain. And second of all, eating more doesn't seem to be a problem if you eat more starch. Again, <clears throat> getting back to these 2 billion people in Asia, there are no fat people. There are no fat people. So, you know, you can eat as much as you want of starch, and your body will regulate it. That's one of the important scientific facts about eating starch, a carbohydrate, is the body has a thermostat-like regulatory system where if you eat more, it burns off more. But it doesn't regulate fat. If you eat fat, what happens is the body just stores it. It's the metabolic dollar for the day when no food's available. And it will store it without limits. In fact, you know people who weigh five, six, seven hundred pounds. Sometimes you see news reports of, of uh, forklifts having to go in and lift up 1,200-pound people to take them to the hospital. I mean, the body has an almost unlimited ability to store fat without any regulation. So, no, it doesn't happen that people get fat eating as much as they want of starches. And, no, the answer isn't to eat less of the wrong food. Less of meat, less dairy will make you hungry. You will still be sick. You just may be thinner and sick and suffering with hunger. Sort of told things like fish are better than red meats. Is it just all protein, do you think? Okay. Uh, you called it protein. I won't go to there anymore. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about yeah. fish and chicken and beef and pork. What you're talking about is muscles of animals. One muscle wiggles a tail, another flaps a wing, another moves a limb. A muscle is a muscle is a muscle. They're all made of fat and protein. They have no dietary fiber in them. They have no carbohydrate. They're highly contaminated because they are on the food chain. All scientific research shows, shows that if you switch from beef and chicken muscle to fish muscle, nothing changes. You're just as constipated. Your blood cholesterol stays the same. Nothing changes. But we have this myth, and it's based on a little bit of scientific truth. There's always a little bit of truth that creates these huge myths. We have this myth that eating fish is good for us. Well, even if it was true, and it's not, but even if it was true, you better eat up quick. Because since I was a little boy back in the 1950s, 90% of the fish stocks are gone from overfishing. 90% are gone. 10% left. Eat quick because it's all going to be gone pretty soon. And then we'll have no oceans, and then we're going to really be in trouble. The idea is that certain types of fish have uh, beneficial fatty acids like the omega-3. Is that um, true? or Again, that's called unique positioning. If I say omega-3s, what do you say? Fish. You see, it's something that industry has created. They've taken a little truth. Omega-3 acts a little bit different than our non-essential fats, saturated fats, other monounsaturated fats, and so on. They act a little bit different. And if you eat these omega-3 fats, they actually have pharmacologic effects. They thin the blood, and they suppress the immune system. Thinning the blood is supposed to prevent heart attacks from blood clots. And suppressing the immune system is supposed to help with arthritis. But remember, 
they thin the blood and they suppress the immune system. So if you have thin blood as a consequence of eating omega-3 fats or fish, what happens when you get in an auto accident? You're more likely to bleed to death. And it suppresses the immune system, these fats do, so it may suppress the arthritis inflammation, but you suppress the immune system. So you're at increased risk of infections from microbes, and cancer grows much faster when you inhibit the immune system. This is all proved based on thousands of scientific studies. And the other thing I want to mention to you before we leave fish is the fat you eat is the fat you wear. And that means if you eat fish fat, pig fat, cow fat, olive fat, flaxseed oil fat, whatever, the body's going to store it. I mean, that's the purpose of fat. It's the metabolic dollar for the day when no food's available, which hasn't occurred in our society for a long, long time. So, you know, switching to fish or fish fat or omega-3 fats, you're taking a drug at best. At worst, you're, you're poisoning yourself with a serious toxin. So in your opinion, then, what do you think would be an ideal diet? An ideal diet is based on starches, rice, corn, potatoes, sweet potatoes, beans, peas, and lentils, with the addition of fruits and vegetables. That's an ideal diet. That's the traditional diet of people. I can show you dating back 105,000 years that people have eaten that kind of diet. And still, most people in the world, probably 50% of the people in the world still eat a starch-based diet. So what you have for breakfast, you have oatmeal or hash brown potatoes or pancakes or waffles. Uh, For lunch, you have, uh, or dinner, let's combine lunch and dinner, you have uh, bean soup, pea soup, lentil soup, uh, all kinds of vegetable soups. You'd have uh, various kinds of sandwiches made out of healthy spreads, uh, bean burritos, uh, mushu vegetables over rice, uh, bean enchiladas, spaghetti and marinara sauce. We have published approximately 4,000 recipes. In the new book, The Starch Solution, we have 100 recipes that are starch-based. People love starch. I mean, think about it for a minute. When you mention rice or pasta, people go, comfort food, comfort food. I love those foods. Why do you think people love those foods? It's because that's what people are supposed to eat. They love starch, rice, corn, potatoes, because that's our natural diet. I won't even get into the discussion of slaughterhouses. But I bet if I started talking to people about that scene, they'd turn up their nose at least, because that's not your food. But let's get back to Einstein, my cat. He loves that kind of food. You take him down the meat aisle, a Whole Foods or Safeway, he salivates. That's his diet. That's not our diet. So it sounds like it's very much vegetarian diet. That is right. Yeah. It is a vegetarian diet, and it's, it goes further than that. It's a vegan diet. In other mm-hmm. words, it has no animal foods. And it goes further than that. It's a low-fat vegan diet. And mm-hmm. it goes further than that. It's unrefined food. And it goes much further than that. And why I call the book The Starch Solution is it's a diet based on starch. There are lots of vegans and vegetarians out there that are failing in their health. Uh, they're living on dairy products and eggs, and they think that's vegetarian. And then there are pesco vegetarians that add fish. And then there are uh, vegan vegetarians who live on nuts and seeds and fake soy foods, fake hamburgers, fake cheese, uh, olive oil, all kinds. And they're fat vegans. There's a whole chapter in the new book, The Starch Solution, called The Fat Vegan. Uh, yeah, it's it's a vegan diet. But, you know, I, I want to qualify something here for you is in all my career, I've taken the trouble to avoid the word vegetarian or vegan. In fact, I go so far as to tell people that I eat turkey on every other Thanksgiving. And I really do. And I do it to make a point. That is, this is not a vegetarian diet. Turkey is for Thanksgiving. The problem is, instead of occasional feasts in America, people have a feast every day, three, four times a day. They start out every morning with Easter. They go on to Thanksgiving and Christmas for lunch and dinner, 
and every night after dinner they have a birthday party. That's why we're sick. And then you see, when somebody tells you you can't do that anymore, you can't eat all that meat and all that ice cream and all that cheese, the initial thought of a person is, well, I'm going to starve to death. I would rather die. I can't do this. But then if you say to them, oh, no, no, wait a minute. All we're talking about is substituting these fat calories, these protein calories, this dirty food. All we're talking about is substituting that for things you really love, like uh, rice and corn and potatoes and pastas. That's what we're talking about. And then people understand. And you tell them you can add a little salt on your oatmeal for breakfast. They go, whoa, you're not asking me to do anything unusual at all. I can do this. And once people get it, what happens is tremendous benefits in their health. We've, we've done studies. We've done research. We're doing one project at Oregon Health and Science University right now where we're treating people with multiple sclerosis with our diet. At the neurology department at Oregon Health and Science University, the medical school in Portland. And what we've shown is people have tremendous weight loss, and they're able to maintain the diet for over a year. We found 80% compliance in the diet. People followed essentially 100%, 80% of the time because we didn't ask them to do anything weird like starve or eat sickening foods like they do on diets like the Atkins diet. We asked people to eat traditional foods that people have always eaten, people, foods people love. So we've got that data. Uh, we're in the process of publishing another study. We published other studies on this too. You can look at them in the scientific research, but we're doing and publishing another study now on 1,700 of my patients who've gone through my living clinic here in Santa Rosa, California. And those patients, what we found is the average weight loss, and we're talking about buffet-style eating, going back to the buffet table three, four times a meal. The average weight loss is about a half a pound a day per person. We found a drop in blood cholesterol of 23 milligrams per deciliter in seven days. You can't do that with Lipitor. You know, we found drops in blood pressures uh, profound drops in blood pressures. People are able to get off their blood pressure pills, their diabetic pills, and so on. Uh, so when people discover this, not only do they find food that they like better, but they get their health back. They never have to diet again. Everything starts working. I mean, there has to be a diet that works for people. Uh, there has to be a correct diet for people. And I believe that's a starch-based diet with fruits and vegetables, and you keep turkey for Thanksgiving and maybe a piece of cake for your birthday. Well, um, I'm curious, just to close, if people are maybe interested in uh, learning more information about this and sort of exploring the issue more, where, where can they go? Well, our website is uh, is pretty amazing, and the thing that people notice when they go to the website is basically everything's free. The program's free. There are 500 recipes there free. All the discussions on disease that I've talked to you about are free. And that website is drmcdougall.com, which is spelled D-R-M-C-D-O-U-G-A-L-L.com. And my best effort after 44 years of doing this is the new book, The Starch Solution. You won't be disappointed. Well, the new book is called The Starch Solution uh, and The McDougal Plan. And Dr. McDougal, I want to thank you very much to, uh, for joining us today on The Grok Science Show. It was great. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.